What is going on? I got a guest on coming on today, Mr. Matt Hayes. Talk with him about investing in Airbnb. So this dude in the last 14, 15 years has been investing in real estate and uh, blew it up. I mean, the guy's been doing some really crazy things, but the economy turned this past year when the market shifted and he was selling a majority, if not all, of his properties to hedge funds and the hedge funds basically just pulled the plug. So Matt, instead of him putting his head in the sand and trying to figure out what not to do, he said, what the hell am I going to do here? He transferred his whole business from fix and flip and wholesale right over to Airbnb. Dude's bringing down over a million dollars a year net with his Airbnb business. Look, if you're looking to get into short-term Airbnbs, this boy breaks it down, gives the gold. It's 45 minutes. The first 15 is about his transfer over. The next half hour is all nuggets, bro. Like nuggets. The technology he uses, how he finds these houses, how he goes about uh, getting them set up, like everything you need to do to get your Airbnb set up and pushed, this is the absolute podcast you're going to listen to. Hope you guys enjoy it. Welcome to Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My name is Billy Alvaro, aka the Unstoppable VA, former billion dollar mortgage banker, gone bankrupt, turned professional real estate investor where each week you'll learn the tools, strategies, systems, and secrets myself and other highly successful real estate investing entrepreneurs use to start, grow, and scale their businesses, creating massive profits and how you can too. And we'll teach you how to put those profits to work so you no longer have to. Get ready to finally experience financial freedom and generational wealth. Now let's get started. What's up, what's up? Welcome back to another episode, Unstoppable REI Wealth, bringing the heat, showing you guys how to start growing, scale your real estate investing business, and in some cases, even maybe pivot yeah. to a vertical that you're going to get into, and today's guest is right along those lines. I'm interviewing Matt Hayes from St. Louis, Kansas City, where St. Louis- St. Louis, Missouri, my man, yeah. Missouri, huh? I'm like, look at that. I see KC on here, that's where you're investing. Yeah, St. Louis, some, Missouri. St. Louis, Kansas City, some parts of Florida, stuff like that. Got it. So, Matt, I really wanted to, to – uh, I'm looking forward to this interview because I know you were a big fix-and-flip guy and wholesale yeah. guy for a while. That's right. Like, over the last year, you've done a complete switcherooski where you're now doing, like, your shit is short-term rentals. It is. Like, yeah, th th this year we got hit hard, man. I mean, we, we scaled up our team. Our goal was to do 300 transactions. We ended up doing uh, just, just north of half of that. And a big reason is because the, the number one buyer that we had was an institutional buyer. Yep. And so they were just, we were feeding them products, closing 10 to 12 deals a month. The money was great. They're overpaying their, you know, their demands, for the, 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 the renovations were, were just cheap crap. And we were throwing it in there and just turning these things. We were buying houses on the MLS, lipstick, selling to them. And making a pretty substantial profit. Well, Jesus. it was awesome for about 18 months. And then once we saw those interest rates start to jump up, they got nervous. And they the first thing they did was they sent price reductions on our existing contracts, which yep. were 42 of them. 42. And 42 contracts, yeah, price reductions, which I was okay. Like, hey, guys, let's get this shit done. Meanwhile, I just hired a new GC. He was a little wet behind the ears, so I ended up doing double the work following his mistakes. Then um, the next month, they raised the interest rates again, yep. and this time they pulled their contracts. Pulled them out. All, all 42. Mind you, I'm, I'm sitting with 
not cheap houses, 200 to $300,000 homes. And they said, nope, we're not doing it anymore. So they pulled the plug there. And anyways, we had to scramble. We had to re-rehab houses because they looked like shit. Linoleum, carpet, formica. God. In a $350,000 house, you know, people want granite, nice cabinets, solid services, shit like that. So anyways, we pivoted, uh, we got through it. We're down to like three vacants by by now. So our goal was to have zero vacant properties. And a vacant for me is something that's under contract, under renovation, or ready to, to rent. Got it. So we took some of them, we moved into our short-term rental portfolio, some of them to our long-term rental portfolio, and then we just fire sale the rest to get out from underneath the debt. How many years you've been in business? So Trinity, I think, has been in business seven years, but I've been in real estate for for 19, 20 years. I remember the first time I picked up Robert Kiyosaki's book. It's like how everyone starts. At least that's how everybody started before YouTube and podcasts and really using the internet to connect with people. Uh, read the Rich Dad Poor Dad, dude, and I was like just instantly like hooked. Like this is my life. This is where I need to be. And, and so Blair and I, we did our first real estate investment about six months after that. And then we were a slow investor. So it was like, I mean, slow for me. It was like two or four deals a year in my 20s. And then fast forward now in my 30s, I mean, we didn't start really freaking knocking, you know, going crazy until about 10 years ago. So let, let's dissect this because I think there's going to be a lot of lessons that people could take out of this, right? I want to get into, you know, the Airbnb thing that you're doing, but yeah. I think be a lot more lessons, Matt, of sure. when shit went sideways. So let's let's pull the lessons out. So do you sure. think one, obviously you were growing too fast? Yeah. So so I'll just tell you what we did. We did wrong. We knew what our pain points. Well, I know what my pain points are now. We were not a mass production rehabber. So that's where we made the mistake. More than half of those homes we should have wholesaled and taken a third of the profit that we did. And then been just instant turn and burn, thin files. One of my mentors likes to call it because a rehab file is like this thick, wholesale files like that. Yep. Right. So how much time and energy and money go into that? So generally we do about 20 to 25 flips a year and we wholesale the rest. And then we add some to our short term portfolio. But anyways, so don't scale too quickly just because you, you, you see the dollar signs there. The next thing, and this is the biggest lesson that I learned. Anybody that's on your team that's not a doer, get rid of them. Yep. You got to constantly babysit somebody and they're not producing. That's what Blair and I realized. Blair's my wife, also my business partner in life and business. So we realize that now that if you are not a doer and I have to look over your shoulder every day, every hour, every week, then, then you are not on the bus with us. You're not on the right team. And so uh, we're, we're, we're very fortunate that we now scale down our operation and we're making more money doing it. Like so, loaded up were you when you had full operation? When you had you know staff fully up? Say that one more time. How many people? How bloated were you? How many people? Uh, we we had eleven. Eleven people. What are you down to now? Uh, now we're down to four. Four people. So we yeah. we've significantly scaled down, right? Yep. So I've got my finance uh my finance guru right covers all the numbers, the books, and the billings and all that stuff. Then I got my tech genius, and then Blair and I. And so the, what we realized is those four people were the doers in the business. And so scaling it down to what it is now is, is just such a weight off my shoulders because it felt like every day I was chasing the money. Yeah. You know, we'd get four or five huge closings, 40, 50, $60,000. 
And then the damn money was out of the account within, you know, a week and a half to two weeks. Yeah. You know, between payroll and contractors and all that stuff that was going on. It was Matt, like, do you think do you think and this is a I want I want an honest answer to this. Do you think sometimes that entrepreneurs that are on the path to growing, that they look at people around them that may be a lot larger, that is scaling, mm-hmm. and they're like, Well, fuck, I can do this, man. Like do you think you Guilty. got to get that bug? Yeah, okay. Guilty. I appreciate Guilty. you being honest, man. Hundred percent, man. I saw I saw friends of mine doing it. But I scaled too fast. I hired like five people in one year. Yeah. And for my operation, I know that that could be like nothing compared to someone. But you doubled your size in a year. Yeah, we 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 pretty much tripled it in in a year. And and we realized really quickly where the money is in this business and, and how to have an operation that makes sense for for our life and our kids' life. We got four kids that are very active in sports. And we want to be able to participate in all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's very difficult if we have a company that is not necessarily struggling, but isn't doing what it needs to be. It's like I was working four times as much for less money. So I do the math on that. 24 hours. I was working 30 hours a day. Let's just call it what it is. I think every successful <laughs> entrepreneur that's real has a story similar to that where they just they went sideways for a bit and you got to learn, man, we got to take our bumps and bruises. We don't, we don't, we didn't go to college for this. They don't teach us this in school. Like you learn as you go yep. and you learn from masterminds, but sometimes like myself, like you, we get a little crazy and we decide to grow a little too fast. That was my demise when I had my mortgage bank, dude, I still would have been alive. I grew that fucking thing way too quick. 950 employees within like four and a half years, four and a half years. Wow. Wow. Inc. 500 magazine, Inc. 500, 136 fastest. And 18 months later, I was fucking bankrupt. Wow. Like $14 million in debt. So like, bro, I get it. (laughs) I get growing too quick. I get losing your eye, taking your eye off the ball. What are the lessons did you have? Because I I know a couple that I could pick out. Yeah. So for us, for for, for being an investor and an entrepreneur, it's almost like a curse. So a businessman. Can, can jump into a business and he can function all of it, right? That's the integrator that CG teaches us. But the the entrepreneur real estate investor, it's almost a curse because we're we're like, we're looking at everything. The new shiny ball that keeps jumping down. We want to go chase it. Should I do innovations, land entitlement? Uh, should I do sub two? Should I do creative financing? Should I do Airbnb? Should I do fixed income, wholesale? Uh, be a contractor. Should I be an agent? All this shit. It's like, damn it. And so Mike Watson, he got up on stage and he talked about entitlement deals. And he's like, all this shit. And he went bankrupt. Yep. He told us his story. And then he's like, dude, I got I got down to my narrow focus. So I'm I'm digging an inch wide and a mile deep. And I'm like, damn it. Like I need to, I'm getting back. And we pivoted. Now, luckily, I heard this after the fact and I started doing it, but in August, actually July, excuse me, is when we started narrowing our focus down. Okay, this is the space that I want to be in. Yep. And so our company is doing three things now. We are doing wholesaling because we're never getting rid of that. Honestly, that's kind of like breathing. It's just cash flow coming in, man. Consistent. Yeah, that's all. We get leads that come into our system. I'm not going to turn those away. I'll go in the walkthroughs. I'll talk to the people. I like helping people. So if, if, if I can help them get rid of that that burden, some asset, I'm going to do it. We close on uh, two on Friday. So that, I mean, we're still doing that stuff. Yeah. Airbnbs very heavily. 
we'll always have long-term rentals as like our little kid brother and then mentorship. And so I'm teaching people how to get focused and go down the Airbnb path. And so that's it. I'm not, <clears throat> I'm not chasing any other real estate ideas. Yes. All the stuff I heard at the, the conference at CG is great. Um, all the different ideas that everybody's doing. Yes. I, mean, I just want to stay focused on what we're doing. And then I want to spend the next few years just freaking being a beast and killing it in those, in those categories. And I don't think I'm going to fix and flip another house next year. I really don't. By getting a good enough deal, I'll probably wholesale it because I got to look at all the time. I have hundreds of hours that are invested in every single flip. Not that I'm the one with the hammer. Right. My wife and I are picking out the colors. We're, 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 we're going through all that. We're getting the designs. We're meeting with the contractors. I get ripped off by three contractors this year because I violated my own rules. Yep. Paid them up I front. Was, I was scaling. I gave one of the guys a little bit of money up front. He did a rehab. It was okay. I gave him a little money up front for three more. Never heard from him again. Yep. I mean, it's the same old story. Never give a contractor a deposit. We, we've been that. We've been down that road. We learn the hard way, man. And we know what we know, and then we violate our own rules, our own our own guidelines, and we get fucked. It's like I'm Matt Hayes, dude. I'm a. I've done so many blah 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 real estate investments. Like I can't get burned. And then for that shit to happen to me three times this year, I'm like, you know what? I needed a reset in my life. And then uh, uh, Jason uh, Medley sat me down, which was pretty cool. We were just out by the pool shooting the shit for a couple hours. And, you know, started doing some soul searching and really, really hitting home some things that, that I know I needed to do. But but now I, I'm freaking getting on it. And his biggest takeaway from that was it's time to be a savage. We're getting into a little bit of a recession here. We know it's going to happen. Right. All the signals are pointing in this direction. Everybody yeah. knows about it. So it's time to be a freaking beast. It's not time to sit back and take naps and you know do that kind of shit. And you got to do the same thing with your family. Same thing with your relationship with God. Same thing with your relationship with your wife. And, and so that's where I'm at. With yourself. That's with myself. Make sure that, that this is okay. Because if this is okay, how am I going to make anybody else okay? And it starts here, brother. 100%, man. Because if I'm going to be a mentor to other students, I'm going to make sure home base is freaking good to go. Yeah. And so, like, now I'm finally there. And uh, like Blair even said, like, you know, I've never seen you this frustrated and low. I don't want to use the word low, but this frustrated with real estate than I was this year. Mm -hmm. It was always fun, somewhat easy for me. Well, you got your you got, you got your licks, bro. You got kicked. You got knocked down. And it, it ain't fun when you are in the kingdom out and you're rolling in a few hundred thousand dollars a month, half a million dollars a month. And then all of a sudden the, the, the wing gets knocked out and you're like, what the fuck do I do here? Like it's it's a, and there's yo, there's a lot of guys right now in the same situation. I'm interviewing and talking to dudes off the record, on the record, and then it's like having a fuck of a time. Dude. One million, two million, three million, four million dollar losses and counting. I know. It's crazy. Real shit. And a majority of them, the funny thing, is, well, it's not funny, but the, the ironic thing is most of them that are getting in, that got in trouble, they did it because COVID, they had, I call it the COVID fever. They had the COVID gold rush fever. When the market started booming, they really everybody just took their underwriting guidelines and the concept of, yeah. of real fucking investing, and it literally went in the toilet, and everybody started becoming a cowboy. And like, yo, wild wild west, you know what? The, the, the funds are buying fucking 
$10,000 spread, but I'm really making 30 because they're overpaying and I'm buying MLS, bro. Like that was what was going on. And I was frustrated because I saw a lot of guys, I was on the East coast and I saw a lot of guys taking the fuck off in CG and a lot of these other, other uh, masterminds that I'm in. And I, I was governing myself only because I've been down this road when 2008 happened, when I lost my fucking ass because I was the cowboy and I was doing loans that I knew the people couldn't afford. We, we, the company knew the people couldn't afford, but Wall Street was buying them, those stated loans. And because the money was so good, you don't think all of a sudden the bottom falls out, all those loans go south, they have you buy them back, right? And they have a buyback. So it's like, oh, shit. yeah, bro, millions of dollars in buybacks, millions. Yeah, man, that's... That's a struggle, dude. I get it. So many members too that are people that I've talked to, um, are went through a similar situation this year. That wow. are heavy hitting investors, and oh, yeah. and I get it. I, and I'm so blessed that you know three and a half, uh, about was it four years now, that Blair and I found Airbnbs and started scaling that business. And that business was always kind of over here. Like, okay, that property be a good Airbnb. Let's throw some furniture in and get it live. I want to get into this, like, what your strategy was this Airbnb because you're doing well. Oh, dude, dude. I, and so I didn't realize until middle of the year that, like, fuck, man, this is it. Why do I need all these people? Why do I need all this, this rehab and contractors and, you know, just coming home exhausted, leaving the house at 5 a.m., coming home at 7 p.m., right? And the, the, all these Airbnbs, I started looking at all the profit. We're almost to 100 grand a month in profit off of our Airbnb portfolio. That's crazy. Well, okay, so that's 80 in Airbnb and about 20 in Long Beach. But the whole portfolio, if I were to just stop Trinity everything and just sit back, we'd be making a little over a million a year. Now, where I found the is the suburban short-term rentals that everyone is overlooking. So everyone, everyone automatically thinks that it's got to be near a lake, right? Uh, near a beach, near a vacation destination. And I started noticing something going on in Kansas City because I have a couple friends out there. They manage some stuff that I have. And it's just a freaking house in a neighborhood. And we get anywhere from five to $7,000 a month. And so what, what's the attraction? What's the lure for people to go into a regular neighborhood and not go like, why are they going there? So that's a great question. So we started, we kept getting that question from all our students, right? Or potential students doing these podcasts, web webinars. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start probing people. Let's find out what they're coming to town for. See my grandkids, weddings, graduation parties, any reason that you would just travel, business, traveling nurses, there's a rock climbing convention. My kids got soccer tournament, baseball tournament, any kind of youth activity. Fiber guys came to town relocating. My house got on fire. I got to have somewhere to go. My house flooded. My house getting worked on. All those types of things, right? So I narrowed it down to as if there are hotels in the town, then people are traveling there for non-vacation needs, right? I started looking at towns across the Midwest. And there are so many untapped towns that are that have hotels, called the hotels at about 8, eight o'clock, 9 o'clock every Friday night. Ask them if they have any vacancy. More than likely, they're going to tell you they have one or two rooms left, right? Mm. So that means a lot of people are traveling to that town. So in this town, in St. Charles County, right on the edge, right before Hickville and, and all of that, it's got about eight, uh, about 60,000 people. I was the first one to put an Airbnb in that town. 
And I'm like, how am I the first one? So I look at air DNA. It tells me it's going to suck. It's going to do terrible because it's got no data to pull from. Sure. People are relying so much on those data sources. They don't, I guess I'm cut from a little bit of a cough, right? Like I'll take that risk. Because if not, I'll just sell it or I'll turn it into a long-term rental. Pull the furniture, put it somewhere else. Yep. So we got this property up and rolling. We did 4,800 uh, in December and it was live two days before December. So so these these like little markets that you're going into, how, how many years you've been doing it in those markets? So short-term rental, we're, we're pushing four years now. So I'm not like a 10-year legacy expert. Yeah, but you got some data, though. You, you got some data. So let's look at I that. I got some data. data. I got some properties. I got some cash flow to prove it. Yep. We so do have vacation houses. In those markets, what is your average, I guess, what do they call it? Like your rental rental time frame. So we like to do a three-night minimum. Okay. So three nights, but we generally get fours, fives, sevens, eights, tens, kind of all over the board. The weekends always book up, no matter what. What's the so percentage out of a month that, that the house is rented? Uh, we're, we're at 78% occupancy. It's pretty fucking high, dude. That's that's the sweet spot. So if you're higher, that means what? Your price is too low. Sure. If you're lower, you're overpriced or you picked a bad location or your property isn't what it needs to be. Sure. That's crazy. So for me, I stay away from everything seasonal. I don't want anything to do with something near a lake because what does a lake mean to me? Like Lake of the Ozarks, that's Lodo. We, that's a big for us. It's now on Netflix, right? Even though yep. it's a different lake that they use on that show Ozark. <laughs> but the point of me saying that is it's dead for the majority of the year. You get Labor Day to, or excuse me, Memorial Day to Labor Day. That's weekend. it. That's all you get. You get heavy summer traffic. If you don't have a reason for someone to come there, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, then I don't want to touch it. I don't want anything seasonal. I want to keep it turning. I want to beef up my reviews. I want to keep that cash flow coming in every single month. So what do you look for in these houses? Like what's the type of homes that you look for to, to put Airbnb? That's a good question. So the, so what I look for is called the 20% rule. So most people are, they got the 1% rule. I'm going to rewire everybody's brain real quick because I invented this. This is me. So there is a $250,000 house. I want the annual revenue, the top line revenue, to do $50,000, a minimum, okay? So if it's a $200,000 house, I want to do 40. Now, I have $175,000 houses doing 70. So if you can exceed it, that's where you want to be. And that rule goes for any type of Airbnb. It's the quick math. It's the quick way to do it. Yep. But I also like to pick legacy assets that are going to be worth more because what I am I looking for the cash flow? Yes, cash flow is amazing. That's why I'm in real estate. But I'm also looking for a large exit or a large equity gap. So I want to buy an asset that might just turn back into a, a normal single family house 10 years from now. I look at everything in a 10 year play. So. Let's say I got a three bedroom, two bath, traditional uh, ranch house with a good foundation, good lower level, heat, AC, roof, water heater, everything's been updated. Good. Now that house is in a good market. It's in a, or excuse me, it's in a good area. Ten years from now, I have options. So inflation and appreciation, do we think the government's going to figure shit out no matter who's in office? Fuck no. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Nobody does. Right? So inflation is going to continue. 
and appreciation is going to continue. Even if we dip into a recession, it's going to come roaring out. So that's why I always look at it in a 10-year play. So my guests are going to pay down my rent, yep. and it's going to go up. So I got this massive equity gap. Mm -hmm. I use my hands a lot. Uh, obviously, <laughs> look at myself there. We got this massive equity gap. And if I've got those that massive equity gap over a slew of properties, maybe even some eventually paid off, now I get on someone's radar like Marriott or Vacasa or one of these other companies that wants to, okay, I want to just get, I want to grab a hundred short-term rentals, but I don't want to do all the hard work that I did, getting them set up, going through planning and zoning, getting the city council on board, all that kind of stuff. Airbnb, there's a lot of non-traditional assets out there. And while those may work, it doesn't check the box for me yep. of having a long-term exit in a traditional property. I want to keep it to where I could sell it to a homeowner, I could sell it to an investor, or I could sell it to a large player. Do you have a minimum bedroom bathroom count that you're looking at? Yes. Um, I, I am a three-bedroom minimum guy, even though I do have a two-bedroom, one-bath house. I want to sleep as many people as the city will let me. Got it. So to make sure I point this out. I don't want people to, to think that that means people are going to party in that house. We have serious and legit rules that they know about that they have to follow with the non-smoking and the no, no loud music, no loud noise outside past 10 o'clock. We have cameras. We have noise monitors. We go through all this stuff. The neighbors got my cell phone numbers. So I want to make sure that we're solid. So when my house sleeps 12, we're catering to families. People with four or five kids. That's why we theme out bedrooms. Yep. So my wife's really good at this. For a few hundred bucks, she can theme out a bedroom. Star Wars or Harry Potter or Marvel or DC or whatever. I'm a Marvel junkie, so every time she gets it, I'm like, Marvel it. I don't even know what that Harry Potter <laughs> shit is. My kids know, but, but I know. And, and these things can be sprinkled anywhere, man. It doesn't have to be rocket science. I would stay away from oversaturated markets. And then some people are like, how do you know it's oversaturated? So you can go to Airbnb and look to see what's there, right? You can do that. You can go to Verbo. You can go to Furnished Finder. You can look at your market and see if it's saturated. I'm working on the per capita number. I don't know if that totally makes sense because sometimes there is a little tourism mixed in. Right. So we do have three properties in St. Charles, Missouri. I'm sure you've never heard of it, but it does have a tourist allure because there's this historical area of Missouri that used to be our home capital. So there's a lot of nice restaurants, a little bit of shopping. They have some festivals every weekend. Something's going on. So there is a little bit of a lure there. So if you can check the box of a suburban Airbnb and a vacation Airbnb, good. I just, you just hit a home run. Each one of those houses I have in that area should do between 80 to 100 grand a year. In top line revenue. Damn, that's crazy. What is um your, your methods for getting these properties in? How are you going about marketing? So real estate, I'm kind of a deal junkie. So I get to look at all this stuff. Yep. You know, as the deals come in, I can say, okay, you know, I don't I only have two in St. Peter's. They would allow me a third. And a deal comes in in St. Peter's, price is good. I like okay. grandma updates. So I like grandma houses. So grandma house, you live there for 60 years. There's nothing wrong structurally, 
but it's got the wallpaper and the green and pink carpet. Well, that just means I need a facelift. Yep. So I'm not getting into massive renovations if I don't have to. So I want to be in and out of that thing in 45 minutes. Or now look for expired listings. Yep. Look for listings that are 90, 120, 180 days. Those deals that are online, are you willing to pay a premium for those types of houses because you know you're going to be banging them out? And, and you don't have to anymore. A year ago, I was. Got it. A year ago, Blair and I bought, we bought some property in Florida. We furnished it. We started the cash flow process coming in. And what's funny is I exited on three of those deals. I still have two beach houses. And I exited on the three because I didn't realize how much of a demand there was at the time rates were still low for fully furnished fully renovated with pools ready to go properties so we got this massive i mean we, we I, don't, I think it's like we 5x our money wow if i'd have kept it you know obviously i would have gotten depreciation and you know all that other good stuff but we ended up making about 250 grand per relief yeah not, not totally 250 but two to 250 per property and i'm like you know what Okay, sell it, you know. Good. So we we rolled some of that money into some other assets, uh, you know, with the 1031. But so talk to the audience, uh, Matt, about some of the um, some of the technology and tools that you guys use in the business. Yeah, so so that's a big one because a lot of people they get tunnel vision with with Airbnb. It is the horse. It's going to represent depending on your market. <clears throat> Verbo could have the market share, but. Depending on the market, it's going to represent 75 to 80% of all your reservations. And if you're going to have one property and you want to keep things simple, then I would probably just recommend going with Airbnb. Right. But if you're like me, that's trying to squeeze every last penny out of that property, I'd recommend you get on Guesty, Guesty for pros. So that is a, it's like a hub, right? It's over here in my office. My wife's got the, the booking calendars when people are checking in and checking out because we manage uh, all of our local stuff here ourselves. So we do, we use Guesty for pros and it, it has an integrated API, which what that means is for, in layman's terms is that it talks to every other service that we use. So we're on uh, booking.com, Verbo and Airbnb. Love it. And, and in the process right now, we're building our own private website to get people to come back to our properties. I'll talk about the private website here in a second. But the next tool that you need is Price Labs. Price like Labs. Price, there's a couple other tools out there, but I recommend Price Labs because what that is, it's dynamic pricing. So it's going to it's going to dictate and automatically set your pricing for the year. And it's going to fluctuate and change based off of occupancy and vacancy rates in the area and what's going on in the area. Like 4th of July, uh, Valentine's Day, these rock climbing, all this stuff that goes on, Tim McGraw coming to town or Garth Brooks coming to town. How Price Labs knows, I don't know. I know it's got an AI built into it. Mm -hmm. All I know is I pay a few hundred bucks a month and it gets me thousands in return. That's a big one. Uh, we also like remote lock. That is probably some of the sweetest little technology out there. You know, you'd have the key or the credit card or you'd have to give them the code and then everybody's got the code. Well, now 
let's say my guest checks in at four o'clock. We have check-ins at four, check-outs at 10. So at four, their code activates. Mind you, they've already been sent the code in an automated message that was preset with guesty. So their automated message, the rules, the do's, the don'ts, the Wi-Fi password, doesn't matter how many times you tell them, we have to tell these people the Wi-Fi password. Yeah. We, we could plaster it to the couch and it still tell, ask us yep. what the password is. But anyways, so the remote lock then activates at four o'clock and then it deactivates at 10. So, and that's all done online with remote lock and it talks to, to guesting and it all works in harmony. Love it. And so if we get a Verbo booking or a price or a, a a home away booking or an Airbnb booking or a direct booking. It doesn't matter. It all flows through the same system. Now, most of our bookings do come with Airbnb. Now, here's the thing with Airbnb. That's the short game. That's the short tunnel vision that somebody can get on because it's all they ever hear about. But the long game, and this is what Blair and I are building, is we're building a brand. So we, we named all of our properties Blair's House. So we're now branding all of our marketing all of our materials and everything that goes in this house blair's house we got a cool little logo we're putting it on the shampoos we're putting it on the snacks the water bottles love it emails to get sent all that kind of stuff not because i'm i'm self-branding but i want them to remember blair's house so here's the thing and this goes to the long game is email and cell phone capturing so my va bianca if she's watching this, hi, Bianca. I'm probably going to send this to her anyway so she can uh, pull some stuff out of it. But what she does is she captures the emails and she puts them into this database. Now, what are we going to do with the database, Matt? Well, we're going to touch them 12 times after their stay. So every month we got an email that's going to go out to every single former guest, unless they were blacklisted, then we'll, we'll pull that off. And it's all we're trying to do is just stay top of mind with Blair's house. Not that we're trying to save the 3% that Airbnb takes out of our pocket. I don't care about that. I care that they come back to my property so that we stay full. Absolutely. Right? So yep. now I'm in the data capturing business. So we're capturing all this data. Can you imagine how powerful that'll be in two, three, four, five years from now? We have we have tens of tens of thousands of email addresses and now we have all these people just coming and staying at our properties. So that's the goal because what we've noticed is people come back to the area time and time again. They've got family they're visiting in the area and more than likely they have, you know, that family's gonna stay. So they're gonna wanna come back. So this just goes into all of our plan, right? For the email capturing. How do you get their email address? Well, first thing is we ask. Second thing is we have this system called StayFi. So S-T-A-Y-Fi. You hook it up on your router in the house. And so they have to, just like a hotel, they have to put in their email address before you give them the password. Now the TVs are already set up. This is if someone's signing on their laptop or the kids are signing on their devices. Kids normally don't have email addresses. So they're like, hey mom, what's your email address? And they throw it in there. So now sometimes you can get two or three email addresses per booking, especially if there's more adults in the house. Yep. Capture all that stuff. Stay yeah, these are great tools, bro. Yeah. Honestly, like killer tools. You, you mentioned about the theme rooms. You went through some really sick, sick pieces of technology, brother. A lot of value in this in this podcast, by the way. Talk to me about 
amenities, things that you guys put into oh, the yeah. house to really make it more personalized and really draw the people back in? What does that look so, like? So that one is a whole podcast, but I'm going to tell you straight up that my wife and I do everything we can. So stop thinking that, no, I don't need to do that. No, that's a dumb idea. We do fucking everything. I saw someone had a hammock in their backyard. Now all my houses have hammocks. Yep. You want to make sure you're checking every single box that you can on that Airbnb. All you got to do is follow it. Yep. Does your house have a piano? Yes or no? Right. Well, I'm not going to go buy a piano. You know how cheap pianos are? They're like 100 bucks. People give those damn things away. Right. Foosball, ping pong. Yep. Air hockey. Get the cheap games. Don't buy the pool table. Okay? Unless, unless no, time out. Unless you have a higher end Airbnb, which I do. So those houses have all that shit, plus pool table, plus uh, shuffleboard. Yep. Some other things. I'm talking about those suburban stays that are at that $500,000 price point. Got it. Stock the kitchen, man. Both coffee pots, the Keurig and the pot. Get the tea kettle. Get the French press. Get all the utensils that you can possibly think of that the kitchen needs. My wife, we, she spends about a thousand bucks to deck out a kitchen. We get the plates and we get the plastic ones. We get all those little appliances, blender, crock pot, flat top. The, the list, the list is long. And we've always added a little bit as soon as we see somebody else bring something into the house. Yep. Right? I'm not talking about gadgets. I'm talking about real appliances that most people have in their home. You want them to be able to cook Thanksgiving dinner in that house. Yep. Next thing is those beds got to be comfortable. I'm not saying you got to go drop five grand on a Tempur-Pedic mattress. You can get a good mattress for five, six hundred bucks for a king on Amazon. It's delivered rolled up in a box that is comfortable. You need TVs in every room. Yep. You need, I do an arcade machine. I got this really cool dude here that uh, in St. Peter's that makes these arcade machines brand new. They don't smell like smoke. They don't smell like mold. Well, you know, these ones that get pulled out of these 1980s freaking arenas or whatever, they just stink to hide out. <laughs> right? So we we put that in there. I'm ch- I'm checking boxes, man. We make sure that it's cute and it's nice and it's and it's today's colors, right? Most of the houses we do. Um, we renovate them a little bit. Okay, some are a larger renovation, some are a really small one. Um, and you can also do this on arbitrage method. Like I own, or I have two arbitrages that are running right now just to see if I could do it. And it was honestly one of the easiest things I've ever done. Uh, I put a f- Facebook post out there. One of my buddies like, hey man, yeah, let me, you know, I got a property coming in January. I'd love to rent it to you. Because he knows I'm going to pay my bill and I'm going to keep it clean. Yep. So you rent it from him, and then you're double swapping it over to on the Airbnb side. That's it. Uh, we pay it's his name's BJ. We pay seventeen hundred dollars of rent from him, and we we bring in about six grand. So I have about nine hundred thousand more in expenses, you know, off that. So we're we generally do between two and three thousand bucks net per property a month. I, I, I love this, bro. How do you? Um, I know you're not obviously going out and cleaning your houses and managing. So what does the management side look like? Yeah, so for the stuff I have in Florida and the stuff I have in Kansas City, I pay 15%. So I don't do anything but uh, look at the monthly statements and ask questions and stuff like that. So you have a management company that handles all that BS? Yeah, so I'm not an out-of-state guy. 
I know how to do the out of state, but Blair and I are in the process of building our brand. And we're only building our brand on the St. Louis based products because we are freaking anal about the cleaning and the services. Blair checks every single property after it is uh, after it is cleaned to make sure the pillows are right and the snacks and the water's put out. Wow, it's she's a, going out to every property and checking things out. Every property. Yep. Yep. Oh shit. And the reason that we're doing that, man, is we're not this fly-by-night company. We're not, okay, I'll deal with a bad guest once in a while. No. We want to make sure every single guest experience is a five-star review every single time, and we're building our brand. So that's going to take us a couple of years. And my wife and I, I mean, we get our hands dirty all the time on stuff. We're not sitting on some high horse over here. I got no problem with that. Now, is that job potentially uh, higher for our business? hundred percent but right now uh with the recession coming up it's all hands on deck and and i want to make sure that it's done right so does she matt how do you handle this is great information by the way how do you handle the higher in houses all the stuff that's in it piano uh pool table video games do you have them sign disclosures do you have them sign like some sort of document yeah. saying hey you know the house check prior to coming in it's going to be yeah. the same way when you come out well what does that look like so yes, we do have them sign something uh, and it's basically like a chargeback policy. So they don't charge back Airbnb or the yep. hosting service or whatever. But yes, we do have that done on the more expensive properties. I will say we've been very blessed and haven't had, we haven't had a horror story. We've had some headaches. We got a headache right now on our Westfield property that someone booked it, marked one guest then they brought seven people, but what they didn't actually do, they didn't bring seven people. The owner of the business booked it and then sent seven of his employees. So we're talking construction workers dig, digging fiber line. Jesus. So they were smoking weed in the house all week, and they're construction workers, and it's been raining outside. They got boots to do the math. Yep. The whole house is just filthy, man. I spent like eight hours cleaning that thing. We submitted an air cover request for an additional $350. The guy instantly paid it. So we got our $350 plus the $245 that we charged for the cleaning fee. So we got about $600 to throw the cleaners away uh, for all that work that they did. But they didn't break anything. It was funny. The guy responded back. He, we drug tested our guys, you know, so there's no way they were doing that. And I showed him pictures of roaches on the table little weed seeds i'm like dude i'm not fucking stupid i'm from the midwest i live in missouri i know what the hell weed <laughs> smells like come on too funny bro this is uh this has been a really good interview like you you laid out a lot of gold if there's yeah. anybody out there looking to get into airbnb and they don't listen to this podcast and take action with it they're foolish i know you said you have you have a mastermind you have coaching like talk to me about yeah. that so we realized through this year that we need to start giving back and, and it was on our agenda two years ago, but then COVID hit and things got pushed and I'm probably a fool for waiting this long. But now Blair and I offer an Airbnb masterclass. And what that is, it's a one day event. You come, you sit down and I cover everything that you would need to know to be successful in the Airbnb business, how to scout them, how to run your numbers, how to manage them, how to stock them, how to rehab them, find private money, I even throw a little seller financing nuggets in there too. I do all that stuff. 
Uh, we feed you. Um, you can come and stay at some of our properties so you can see it firsthand. So that's big. And then you get into our inducted into our community. So we do monthly podcasts, or excuse me, we do monthly webinars. Um, you have my cell phone number, so I'm giving my all my students my cell phone number. So if you're running numbers on a deal and you need a question, you call me. You can leave me the longest voicemail that you can, and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. So what I mean by all this is like we want all of our students to be ultra successful with this program. It's cheap, twenty nine hundred bucks, man. Yes. Yeah, that's cheap. It's cheap for a one-day event, and I'm sure you you know real estate education and all that kind of stuff. Shit, the masterminds that I'm a part of, I spend 100 grand a year. Yeah, me too. And those, how, how do they how do they find out about that? Where, where is it at? Is there a website? Yeah, so you can uh, go to theairbnbeast.com, kind of like beast mode, right? Yep, yep. Theairbnbeast.com, or you can uh, follow me on Instagram. That is at theairbnbeast. Or you can call my office, 314-464-3800, and ask for me. I'm Bro, happy to help you guys. I know you're sick. I appreciate you showing up today because I, <laughs> I know you're, you're nursing this thing. Yeah, you, you, you beat up pretty bad over there. But, look, you have, like, really laid down some gold, to, like some really good, yeah. serious content that people can take and, like, leverage right from this. Yeah, so thanks I, for having me on, dude. I'm, I'm – uh, yeah, I'm anxious to help anybody that's in the business um, or wants to get in the business and figure this whole, you know, short-term rental thing out. It's not going anywhere, guys. It's here to stay. It's putting a hurting on the hotels. And I'm very, very excited about the the path that this thing is on. Congrats. Congrats on pulling through the, the bullshit that we all had to go through. And yeah. You're still standing, and you uh, you built yourself a whole different business. Same business, but a completely different line. So congrats on that, bro. Thanks, man. I appreciate you, dude. You got it, brother. Talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My mission is to give you, my listeners, the blueprint for success, the insider secrets for starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing business so you can experience and live the unstoppable lifestyle. I've made it simple for you. To catapult yourself to success, go to billyssecrets.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-S secrets.com. There you will find every single tool, tip, trick, strategy, system, and secret used to make millions of dollars as a real estate investor. Everything my team uses and my guests use all in one place for you to tap into so you can start, grow, and scale your real estate investing business. I really hope you implement what you're learning. I hope you utilize these tools, tips, tricks, strategies, and secrets, and I hope to see you on the next episode. God bless. Bye-bye.